Jedi Kenobi. Welcome. Welcome, welcome back to another episode of Star Wars in a Galaxy, watching all the Star Wars we can get our hands on. I'm Eli. I'm Jacob, and, and we today, have a lot of guests with us today. We have all of the guests, every single one of the guests. Um, we are, we have nine people in this Skype session right now. Nine people, nine people um, we have. Uh, the, the other seven besides the two of us are all from... The incredible Star Wars website, Project Stardust. Um, and we decided, um, we, I've been planning um, with four-time guest Meg Dowell now. Um, we've been planning this for quite a while. This is going to be, I think, incredible. Um, uh, Project Stardust is all about embracing the female fans in the Star Wars fandom. And... Um, in a time where, on a little bit of a darker note, in a time where it is more difficult to be a woman in fandom than, I'd say, anything, because some fandoms seem like they're literally on fire, um, uh, we want to promote a more positive space for us to talk about our favorite female characters in Star Wars, because Star Wars, and I cannot stress this enough, is for everyone. And everyone should have a place enjoying Star Wars. Um, it should be a fandom for everyone, uh, no matter your race or your sexual orientation or your gender or any of that. Um, so what we decided to do, everyone here has brought one or two, depending on how my mind and my typing connected while sending Meg the DM, female characters that we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about why we love them. Um, before we do that... Um, let's get a little introduction to everyone we have here. Um, Meg, you want to start off? I mean, you've been here twice already. Yeah. Hey, everyone. It's me. I'm back. Um, oh my god. Um, I'm Meg. I am the founder of Project Stardust. You know that because I've been here before. Um, I... I just, I love Star Wars so much, but even more than that, I love being a Star Wars fan and bringing Star Wars fans together, you know, who mat no matter who you are, um, I think you belong here as long as you're a nice person and you're here to have fun. Um, so yeah, that's me. I, I am just here to help make this fandom a, um, a brighter and more positive place. Uh, so I'm Lauren Salerno. Uh, I am a contributor for Project Stardust. Um, you can find me in LA normally, uh, frequenting horror and sci-fi events and conventions and serving on panels and um, overall just pumping people up. Um, and I love Star Wars too. I'm Jenny. I am the secretary slash spy master slash editor slash media person. Uh -oh. I don't know. I'll just do whatever uh, for Stardust. Um, I have been a fan since um, the original series. And um, you can find me in the burbs of Chicago. Hey, everybody. I'm Jam. So you can find me everywhere as Jam the Jedi. I frequent the Boston, greater Boston area of the United States. You know, I'm living the space Boston life. But um, yeah, I have my own blog, Holland at Marauders, but then also Project Stardust is a little, has a little piece of my heart as well. I do some contributing articles with like the team and yeah, we have a lot of fun. Okay, I'll go, I guess. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm Liv, I'm from Sweden. 
So that's the, the accent you're hearing. Uh, I'm 32 years old. I'm a bookseller. I work at a sci-fi bookstore in Gothenburg. And uh, I actually, uh, the first Star Wars movie I watched was uh, The Phantom Menace. And then the other prequels. And then it took like a few years before I actually watched the, the original trilogy. Uh, but I, I, I loved it from the first moment. Uh, and uh, then I got into cosplay and then it escalated from there. So that's, uh, and I'm, I'm an editor and a creator for Project Stardust. This is Stacy. Um, I'm a contributor on the site. Um, I live in Los Angeles, and normally when it's not a pandemic, I'm you know, all in the conventions. Um, I'm a teacher by day, um, and I stood in the original movie line back in the 70s. My name is Sierra. Um, I, I guess I'm, they, they consider me the little sister of Project Stardust, the baby sister. I'm 20 years old. Um, I'm a senior co-editor. At Project Stardust, I write the shorts, or I guess I edit the shorts. <laughs> um, gosh, I kind of got into Star Wars in like 2019. Uh, I didn't expect to really be a big fan of it. I just kind of wanted to watch the movies, see what they were about, and I ended up really liking it. I watched The Last Jedi first, and just for the whole point, because I didn't think I was going to like it. Oh, I was like, okay, I don't need to watch it in order. So I just kind of casually watched it. Ended up doing a little bit of Star Wars writing. Now I do cosplay, and it's a lot of fun. Starting with The Last Jedi of all things. Bold, bold. To- I, I, I appreciate that. I, I, I really appreciate that. Um, yeah. Uh, he says... While sitting in front of a poster of The Last Jedi. Right um, <laughs> Yeah. Um, we were all thinking it. We were all thinking it, but we don't know you that well to be like, uh, hey, yeah, what's yeah, going on there? Yeah, I'm actually, um, I'm, I'm not going to talk about The Rise of Skywalker right now because I have opinions that I think will, could annoy some people. Um, but anyway, let's get started then. Um, I thought... Meg should go first as their fearless leader. I was like, I didn't know how to respond to that. Um, Sorry for putting I mean, on the spot right there. No, I mean, like, just to that really quick, like, I think sometimes when um, when you see something that you want to be better, you have to just, you know, go forward with it. And um, it, it, it's, I wouldn't call it fearless so much as, like, being terrified and doing it anyway. Um, I don't know what the exact Carrie Fisher quote. Sorry. Um I think it's be afraid, do it anyway. I don't know. But yeah. Um, so are we talking about our characters now? I'm like, yeah, no, no absolutely. Okay. Let's, let's go, go ahead. Um, person who I'm, um, you know, that, uh, go ahead. Person who I'm sure will not say anybody Mandalorian. You know, it's funny because like I have three main characters that like switch off being my favorite and two of them are Mandalorians. Hmm. <laughs> um, but today, today, um, I just can't help myself. Um, my cardboard cutout is not in my frame right now for all of you to see. Um, but um, my lady Bo-Katan Kreese is currently and probably will be for a while my favorite. Um, Jacob, I don't care. Um, more t- more power to you. 
I'm so I'm excited to hear what you have to say. Next day, I really am. Skype meeting I, today and chose violence. If everyone's I, wondering, I did, and you I know, don't want to get in the way of of, of your love for Bo-Katan, You know, I. You know what? It's it's. We're not going to get into this right now. We will do it some other time. Um, but I do understand where you're coming from, and like because I've heard you talk about her before, and to to say that a a a we could call her a villain in some context. We just she's just. She's a lot. Um, I, I do understand like where you're coming from and why you think the way that you do. And I know this makes no sense out of context. Anyone who hasn't heard your opinions, um, we'll get there. But I just think the fact that this is a, a female character who is you know, a warrior, she's tough, she's been through a lot, but they, they make an effort to show that like she doesn't always make the best decisions. She doesn't always make the right choices. She often does things selfishly. Um, she just, you know, she's been through, and I've talked about this a lot. She's been through so much and she's lost so much. And, you know, in the Mandalorian, we're seeing her at this point where she is just, um, going to stop at nothing to get what she wants. Um, and she, and, and you know, that means literally like she will go as far as she needs to go. Um, not caring about anyone or anything pretty much, um, to get what she wants. And there's just something about the fact that like, she is a character in star Wars who is not all good. Who is not do always doing the right thing because there is one thing that she wants and um you know she's hurt from all her losses and i just i really like that that is um i like that we have that kind of character because it's very relatable in terms of you know someone not um always being right and someone not you can't always i don't always love the decisions that makes it she makes i don't always love her um Bo, sometimes you do bad stuff, but um, I love her because of the way that she is and because she is that person and because, because of her, we have that kind of character and can have more of those. So, uh, yeah. Bo is a fascinating character for me just because of how, like, just in general, her arc is so gradual. Mm-hmm. He, she doesn't do anything. She doesn't snap all at once. It's a <laughs> constant process for her that is just this, like, again, I think we've talked about this whole idea on the galaxy before, the one step forward, two steps back sort of thing. Yeah. You know, I, I was just watching Clone Wars, for example, um, earlier today, and she was burning villages. She was, she was doing the thing. Um, yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> I, I just think... Um, I think it's too early to completely judge her and write her off as uh, this unlikable person. I think she does have the potential to still, especially now that she's in the Mandalorian, to grow and to, you know, learn to do the right thing and um, atone for her mistakes. I really think that that's possible. And that's, I think, one of the reasons I love her so much is because I know her story is not over yet. I, I definitely agree. I didn't, I didn't want to make it sound like I thought Bo-Katan was evil. Um, <laughs> Bo-Katan, I think, in the Mandalorian is the most like good we've ever seen her um but like it's always it's always a teetering act with Bo-Katan because you never really know what's gonna happen with her um she is a more she's a more um refined version of like this is gonna sound like a really weird example a more refined version of Hondo in that way where you never know what Hondo is gonna do in an arc you never Mm -hmm. 
and Jacob's mad because he loves Hondo. But no, I'm 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 ex I'm so excited that you said that because I felt like I knew you were gonna say that before you said that. That's such like a crazy comparison, though. Like Bo-Katan to, Han to Hondo. Like it, 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 it is. It's, it's kind of baffling it. me that you guys like predicted each other's like minds, but obviously you like know each other really well to like do that. But I'm just like, like Bo-Katan sometimes like wakes up and like chooses violence. Hondo wakes up and he's just like. Hey, yeah, I'm just gonna do what I want to feel like doing. Like, I don't think he, he ever chooses anything. He he just goes. He just does. That it is not true. necessarily violence. He just does. He doesn't mean to harm anyone. I don't think Bo does either. But like, Hondo is like very casual about that though. Hondo just has mood swings. Let's be honest. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He does. Bo Bo has extreme tunnel vision. Uh, she she wants what she wants, and she's gonna stop at nothing to get it. Hondo, yeah, in that comparison for me, it's just like the the ease in which like the youngling arc, which I just watched recently, that he just goes from yeah, I'm gonna kill some children today to yeah, I'm gonna to yeah, I'm gonna destroy some droids with children today. The the ease in which he goes from those two is astonishing to me. Pokatan doesn't do that. She's not right. Hondo's the silly version. Bo-Katan is the, like, more gritty, realistic, dramatic version. Mm -hmm. It's a stretch, but okay. I I really love her because I feel like uh, I can't stop thinking about what made her join Death Watch. What, like, what happened between her and Satine uh, in their relationship. I want to see that, uh, or I want to read that. I, think, uh, I still think Meg should write the book. Uh, so, uh, but... I, uh, she's fascinating to me on that level, uh, and also, um, I feel like if we could see her rise to power as a woman and as a very flawed woman, that could be a really interesting thing to see in Star Wars. Uh, so it's not like this perfect paragon character who takes power, but it's someone who goes through a lot of crap uh, and who who learns along the way through her mistakes and maybe becomes a better person maybe not perfect uh, but a better person uh, and i feel like she could be a good leader for mandalore just through what she's been through uh, all of her all of her experiences uh, and everything has kind of led up to her taking that position and uh, that makes me really intrigued by her as a character yeah, I, I definitely, um, Meg, can you write Bo-Katan on, like, any part of her journey? Because there are so many parts of that journey that I want to know about now. It's like, like, I want to know, I also want to know how she went from the Rebels Bo-Katan to the Mandalorian Bo-Katan. Because mm -hmm. those are, like, almost two different characters right there. Um, right. How did she lose the Darksaber? Yeah. 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 I need and, to know. And, 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 and you know... <laughs> And and you know, I and I don't think I don't think of this as a plot hole as some people do, but like, you know, Sabine gives her the dark saber in Heroes of Mandalore, and she takes it. But when Din tries to do the same, she's like, "No, I can't do that." Mm -hmm. um, what changed about her philosophy between yeah. then and now? <sighs> it's exciting to think we might be getting any of these answers like next year. Mm -hmm. I'm expecting to see a little bit of a darker character from her in the next season of Mandalorian just because she has broken down a couple of times getting that dark saber and now she has to do it a third time and it's going to obviously be a conflict 
with Din and those two sects of Mandalorians. So next season is going to be interesting. I, especially because like the Empire is no longer like a really like the Imperial Remnant thing is no longer a viable threat for them because they took out that entire dreadnought. Um, and so somebody's going to need to fill the role. And I think Bo-Katan, like not evil Bo-Katan, but like antagonistic Bo-Katan. Yeah. I mean, I could talk about her for hours and hours and hours. <laughs> no, I mean, just Wait, I get. <laughs> I think Devor's already done that with you, hasn't he? Yes, yes, he has. Um, sorry, I just got really distracted. Um, uh, just I, I just I can't wait to, as we were talking about, I can't wait for those gaps to get filled in. Um, there is a lot of story to be told. We don't know a lot about where Bogotan has been at various points in her life. And like, I don't think I'll be lucky enough to be the one to write about it, but like, I can't wait. However it happens to like get more of that story. However, like wherever we get it in the Mandalorian in a book in a comic anywhere else, like give it to me, please. Thank you. Whoever might be listening, who might have some power to make that decision. I just want to add that when I saw that episode, The Heiress of the Mandalorian, when I saw that helmet, I was floored. Yeah. And I knew it was coming. I knew that I knew the thing was coming. I think the whole earth could hear the collective scream of Project Stardust <laughs> on that episode. I'm pretty sure I direct messaged Meg that morning and I'm yeah. like, Hi, are you alive? <laughs> I I wasn't. I was not. So my favorite, I believe Project Stardust already is aware of this. Well, they might not be, but at the same time, they, they might. So typically, if you know me, you think that I might pick Rey because I have literally every single Rey outfit done and she is up there. But honestly, my favorite character in Star Wars that's a female is Enfys Nest. <sighs> She's the Enfys uh, best. Yeah. I'm sorry for making that pun. Um, I don't care. It's Enfys <laughs> Nest is so incredible. I, I, I love her so much. Like, the thing with Ephes Nest, I loved her from the start just from, like, the look of her outfit, which is, obviously, you're gonna, like, like a really cool-looking outfit in the first place. And then the movie came out, and we find out that she's a girl. And I was like, whoa, hold on, hold the phone. This makes it, like, 20 million times better. And that was, my love for her just, like, skyrocketed. Like, if I, I wish I could share everything in, like, my space right now, but I have, like, the unfinished helmet sitting there. I have the staff over there. I have, like the little like marauder like vehicle and whatnot and i'm just like there's all the things i have as many of the things as possible it's just her like i just love her so much because she comes off obviously as like the antagonist for the entire movie but we find out at the end it's really just like crimson dawn and whatnot but it's just like the MacGuffin antagonist in which unfortunately that's what aaron kellyman is doing now in the new falcon winter soldier but we're not going to talk about that right now how she's kind of getting typecast to play badass girls but whatever um we love Aaron we stand Aaron um yeah I just can't get enough of Empress Nest and like there's so much more that they can do with her character either before of everything that was happening with the Cloud Riders or everything that happens after because that timeline is still wide open the time after Clone Wars and before the original trilogy is low-key my favorite era of Star Wars and we still don't have enough content about it but we're 
getting more and more daily now, it seems, with all the Bad Batch and, like, we have the video game in between and then Rebels, obviously. But that's that's pretty much OT at this point. The two video games. So, um, right. Because Fallen Order is now getting the sequel, which I'm... Officially? Yes, officially. I'm pretty sure. I'm, I think so. I, I mean, like... Okay, I think what it was actually said was they're going to be making more Fallen Order games, not specifically a sequel, but like. Okay. Yeah. Because you're know. you're throwing me because I'm just like, hang on, hang on. I hang on very tightly to the fact that Fallen Order is five years post Order sixty six. Like there is a lot of information that I like try to like retain from this era. But regardless, we could have so much going on about Crimson Dawn, so much going on about the Cloud Riders, and just so much about Enfys Ness because her character alone is just so untapped and could be so much more because. Obviously, she's very much in control of this entire group, but she's still very young, and anything could happen. And I just want to see her grow. I just want to see more. She's one of these characters that I love her inside and out, but we still barely know anything about her. And yet, she's, like, my favorite Star Wars character. A couple things. First, sometimes the best Star Wars characters are the ones you know hardly anything about, not referencing anything in specific. Um, (sighs) Secondly... Here's a funny story I just thought of when you said about the whole she's a woman reveal. I, I remember Jacob and I were going to the theater to see Solo, and I'm like, I think Enfys Ness is a woman. I think she is. Um, and then when a, and then the reveal happened, I'm like, how did I do that? Yeah. Like, it's something that, like, thinking back on it, like, I feel like I had, like, similar feelings also, like, moving into it. Because you can just see, like, the way that she moved before you like know she's a woman the way that she moved on top of the train you knew that it was going to like you knew that she was a younger woman (laughs) first of all um you could just like tell immediately and it is i just love how they were able to keep that such a secret and like literally at the red carpet for solo they had aaron like sneak in she couldn't do red carpet because they made her sneak in because she would have been like a spoiler for the movie which is a tragedy that she couldn't do that so i don't think she ever got to do like the full red carpet experience but oh man i I wish. I I wish. <laughs> Look, there's going to be, I don't know what, but like, it seems like if they're not going to follow up solo with anything, they're just like missing out. Because it seems like after all the campaigns people have been doing and all of the buzz that's been made about the solo sequel, if even if they don't do a movie, it's just like... Yeah, you could do a series. You could do yeah. about Han. You could do a Crimson Dawn series. They are doing a Lando series, which is still unconfirmed. Is it going to be old Lando telling stories about young Lando? That would be incredible, first of all, but we're not going to talk about that one. Like, give me all of the Lando vlogs. Give me everything from Solo in the first place. Solo, low-key, is, like, one of my favorite Star Wars movies. And it's so funny whenever people I see people doing rankings, because, like, Solo will always almost be, like, dead last for a lot of people. And I'm like, where do you get off? Excuse me. Could you, like, not, like, do this? Like, I, okay, I get very I get here. very personally insulted. Goodbye. I'm going to leave, too, then. See ya. No. This has been fun. <laughs> That's how I feel when people put Attack of the Clones last. Okay, now I'm seriously leaving. <laughs> <laughs> we all have like moments oh, like that, but the th- yeah. like Solo is so wicked underrated, and people really like need to just like open their eyes because mm-hmm. it is like it is made top tier, and like the characters in it like can't be beat. They are all fantastic. Yeah, I feel like this is the time yeah. where I say my movie that I shocked that people put, but I'm not going to because. That would be me choosing even more violence than I've already chosen today. So, um, 
Uh, okay. I love her too. I have a, a little folder on my lap on my desktop that's just Emphis Nest pictures, and I look at it when I'm sad. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I just collect all the art and just put them in that folder. I love that. <laughs> I love that. Here's a reference for all of you. I know Meg will get this. Jacob will definitely also get this. Um, do you remember the chaos that happened when they added Enfys Nest to Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes? No. Remember just the pure mm -hmm. chaos. Her character her her character in that game is still like like all the other solo characters were okay at best. Enfys Nest remains one of the 20 best characters to have in a squad in that game. Because she looks so cool. Yeah. That's why. It's the cool factor. I'm sorry. You have this helmet that's like made out of bone, first of all. It's a skull and this awesome chrome visor. And then like the oh, hang on, hang on. I have to look up what the inscription says so I get it right. You gotta edit this right. The helmet. <laughs> it's the a helmet of alone. some kind. The helmet uh, alone is so good. This is what happens when I don't look at hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. for like months. Okay, okay, look. The helmet inscription, I, I love the fun facts about the helmet inscription because like the concept artist, costume designer, not costume designer, but concept artist, uh, Glenn Dillon, literally picked something at random and no one like contradicted him or like fact checked it or anything. They were just like, yeah, yeah, sure, whatever. But he, he's like, I could have wrote like something crazy on there, but you people picked it. So anyway, um, but yeah, the inscription literally says until we reach the last edge, the last opening, the last star and can go no higher. Like, excuse me, you're running around with poetry on your forehead. I love it. Like, how, like, like amazing, incredible. Mm. Icon. Chef's kiss. I think like, legend. I, mm -hmm. Everything about the outfit. Like, I cannot talk enough about it. I will not because we'll be here forever because I'm building it right now. And I, I know about all those stupid little grody details and the $400 boots that I'm not going to buy. But that's a different story. That's dedication right there. We're not talking about that. I feel like, by the way, you've gotten the quote of the episode so far. Um, you've got a, a poem literally written on your forehead. <laughs> there you go. Oh, Happy National Poetry Month. There you go. Nothing is going to top this. I'm sorry. I'm very sorry to everyone. Anything you asked for favorite characters. Yeah, I was going to say... Um, I mean, like, obviously that whole reveal in Solo was just like... I don't want to say breathtaking, but it was, and not shocking per se, but it was just a, it was a very thrilling moment. And I know with like myself as like a 20 year old woman, when I first saw it, I was like 19. I know if I sat there in my seat, kind of got all giddy and was like, oh my God, it's a girl, it's a girl. Oh my God. I can only imagine the little girls who must have seen that in theaters. I think it would yeah. be such a missed opportunity. Yeah. Even if they don't pursue another movie, and I'm kind of doubtful they will, um, I think it would be such a missed opportunity not to delve more into who she is as a person, as a leader, her backstory. I think it's, I think it would be almost pivotal in a way for Star Wars to really see who this woman is and what she's all about, really. Yeah, I mean, like, Star Wars has a history, obviously, of uh, taking a young woman who is literally thrust into a rebellion, pretty much like without their say, but they, they are fully devoted to the cause, though, because they find out what everything is truly about. Um, obviously, Leia, with the destruction of Alderaan, she's like, okay, this is what we're doing, and then Enfys Nest, her mother gets, like, killed, and then everything about her world is pretty much, like, destroyed by Crimson Dawn, so she's like, alright, this is what I'm doing now. And so, like, you get 
these trauma-laden women, unfortunately, who are very young, and they become the main protagonists of everything. And but we love them, so it works. I don't want to see it anymore. I don't. I I would like to see more. I would like to see some differences happening, but we still love them. <laughs> One of the things I was gonna say about Nest, um, you know, I always talk about great speeches in Star Wars. There are some really great ones. Nest's speech right after she takes the helmet off, when they're like just mm-hmm. like sipping like, are like they sipping like tea or something around like the 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 post the the oh it's stronger thing. than tea. Oh, it's stronger no, than tea. It's Corellian. <laughs> no, it's uh, Savarine Brandy, isn't it? I think so. She straight That's up says to Beckett, I need a drink. The first thing she says, not wearing the helmet, is, I need a drink. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Walks away. It... Icon. <laughs> anyway, um, that speech while they're all drinking is one of the best speeches in Star Wars. Yes. <laughs> like, I remember we were we had another um, incredible female creator on In the Galaxy a few months ago. Uh, Maggie Lovett, I don't know if you, any of you know of her. Uh, anyway, uh, we were talking with her about uh, Mandalore, the Mandalore episodes, and we were talking about um, Favreau's uh, previsla speech. Like, the Nest speech is, like, on par with that speech, may even be better, in my opinion. Like, that speech is the whole, like, they cut off the tongues of, like, wow, it's just, like, incredible to me. Actually, that entire scene, the whole thing with the, the whole, like, the standoff thing with between her and Beckett, that, that scene is masterful for what it does. I got really excited just to see a woman of color Mm -hmm. uh, pop out of this helmet. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, of course we thought it was a male character and then she pulls off this uh, helmet and there's like all this like thick curly hair and you can't see me, but she kind of looks like me. So that was really cool for me. And I've been kind of, you you stole my girl, but, um, but it's okay because you talked about her. Uh, the first time. Thoroughly. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, but she's one of my favorite too, and because of all the things you said, but also because she was a person of color, mm-hmm. I really liked her. Perfect. Yeah, I mean, Empis is like one of like the first examples that we really have of that kind of a character being one of those leads, and I I can't love her enough for it, and I'm so happy that like Star Wars pretty much. Solo was, like, a huge, like, bringer of that, of just, like, more diversity in general to mm-hmm. all of this. I mean, like, all of the newer Star Wars movies have, but, like, we could be doing a lot better. Um, and But Solo really, Solo really sold it. Um, anyone want to go before me, or should I just throw this incredible woman into the fray? I want to hear who your uh, person you're going to talk about is, because you've been teasing it now for, like, the past 10 minutes. All right, but I'm going to be pissed if you take ours. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'm going to take anyone's. I, I hope I'm not going to take anyone's. Jacob knows who it is. As soon as I just start describing her, Meg will know who she is. Um, uh, let, let me tell you about something, okay? She was hired for a job, and she did the job really well. She hit the ship. Oh it's my not God. their fault that they used a decoy. It's not her fault that they used a decoy, okay? Okay, let me talk to you about Zam Wessel everyone um we've had a long time uh discrepancy on this uh podcast about how to pronounce her name it's wessel by the way if you check our twitter right now 
uh, I tweeted um, the, the great people at Octo Radio with a helpful pronunciation guide of what to do and what not to do. But it's beyond the pronunciation of her name. Um, Zam is a character that was interesting to me in Attack of the Clones. But when we did our episode on Bounty Hunter, um, which is an obscure 2002 Star Wars video game, um, where, let me tell you, Zam Wessel was Fennec Shand before Fennec Shand even existed. Uh, I remember, again, I remember listening, uh, watching that Bounty Hunter stuff, and she always fascinated me because she came out of nowhere. She just basically jumped into... Uh, a ship with Jango Fett on um, above the planet of Uru 4 um, and just kind of went along and just kind of, you know, she'd already proven herself as a bounty hunter in her own right and now she's trying to get uh, help uh, Jango and then eventually betray him a whole bunch of times uh, with his bounty on the fallen Jedi Komari Vosa. Uh, uh, but no, Zam is, is really cool and we don't have enough from Zam Wessel. We don't have enough from her. Um, I'm going to put that out there. Uh, I hope I didn't steal anyone's. I don't think I did because she's kind of obscure. I have a Zam Wessel figure that is still in the box, you know, from, what, 2002? Although I did buy it, like, three years ago at a convention. Uh, and I'm very nervous. I take all my figures out of the box. I'll, I'll be I'm that kind of person. But... I'm so nervous to take her out of the box because her arm comes off. Oh. <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, so first of all, if you look up any sort of like prequel figures or any sort of figures from like original trilogy, they make characters for like everyone. They make figures for everyone. And it's 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 quite the rush going into like a random like independent comic shop and you find a stash of Star Wars figures and it's like, this is the place. This is the place. Um, I'm not even joking. The last time we went, we got so many like random random figures i'm talking a lot of jedi but the zam wessel i'm so nervous to take her out of the box and i won't because i don't want to lose her arm yeah yeah um it, it became it became a vast meme on this podcast but like genuinely i don't want anyone getting the impression that i just did it for choosing violence i genuinely love zam wessel for just everything and i want that figure now speaking of figures actually i'm looking at the table i have with a bunch of uh, Funkos. Give me a second. I'm gonna be back um, with a figure I think some people might like. So speaking of Enfys Nest, here's my Enfys Nest pop. Oh, there she is. Oh, love it. Um, wow. Yeah, I have some other ones. I have quite a few other ones. Nobody who's mentioned before. If, I don't think there's a Zam Funko pop, but that's a <laughs> that's a crime. Uh, anyway, <gasps> okay. I mean, I'm just glad you pronounce her name right. I know, right? I, I'm curious a, as to how it was pronounced wrong. Everyone is. Okay. Um, I've never heard it pronounced other than Zam Wessel. So so in the video game, in Bounty Hunter, um, you're Django Fett, right? I can show you a clip I've, I've, I've put together of this. Um, hi, I'm Zam Wessel. You know what they also say in the classic video games? Kashuk. <laughs> yeah. I was, Actually, playing, I was playing KOTOR yesterday, and they literally said Kashuk, and I'm like, excuse you, Kashuk, out of here. Like, that's, it's Kashuk. <laughs> like, excuse me. Like, I'm, 
No. So you can't trust early pronunciations of these things, especially if it's not in the movie. If it's in the movie, I would trust it. If it's out of the movie, they don't. I mean, like, for example, J.J. Abrams literally pronounces Kylo, Kilo. <laughs> why? Why does he do that? He made the character. Why does he do that? Anyway. Where did he do that? Did J.J. do that? I know Mark Hamill. I know Mark Hamill heard a bunch of people and he was, like, correcting it. Um, but if you watch behind the scenes yeah. for like Force Awakens and whatnot, like the big documentary that they make with it, JJ Abrams is many times saying Kilo Ren, and everyone's like, What? Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, so let me talk about Kashyyyk <laughs> for a second because they couldn't figure out even it, they couldn't figure it out even from its first appearance in the yeah. holiday special, which is by the way, eight minutes of that thing are now on Disney Plus. Welcome to Disney Star Wars, everybody. Um, <laughs> My point being, I'm pretty sure they pronounce it Kazook in that movie. Yeah, I don't... Like, I'll accept Kashik. I'll accept Kashik, obviously. I'll accept Kashik. Like, I'll accept that one. But, like... Anything Kashuk, goes at this point. Kazook? Kazoo? Like, no. Get out of town. Yeah. Um, Get yeah, but, out. But, but we've had... But we've had... Um, but a podcaster that we've collaborated with in the past, who I'm not going to mention by name, because I've done it way too many times on Twitter... Um, has said that he first heard it as Wizel. And again, we have not had a single other guest on this show who has pronounced it Wizel. Unless somebody's here today, I'm not here to pressure anybody. Um, the fact is, if I think that everyone here pronounces it Wessel, which I'm 99% sure is the truth, we've had like 15 guests on the show now and and one of them has pronounced it was ill and he's wrong oh yeah he's definitely wrong uh no he's 100% wrong um yeah hi devore really love those episodes keep them coming i i feel i feel bad i'm i don't know if anyone already took this character but i i feel like it's probably possible okay throwing it back to the prequels Miss Padme Amidala, okay, former Queen of Naboo, Senator of Naboo, this woman, oh my god, I have so much to say about her, and you, do you ever have, like, a million thoughts, and then everything just, like, poofs from your head as soon as, like, someone says something or asks you a question, I don't know, I just have so much to say about Padme, I love her so much, she's great, um, I don't know what it is about her, but I just, I think it's so cool that we get to see a woman who not only kn knows how to dress herself, this woman has style, fashion for days, okay? Her hair is amazing. And I'm not saying that this is her only good quality, but I just, I love fashion, okay? I grew up on brats, but I just, I love to see a woman who knows how to rock a nice ass hairstyle, a tight little dress. And will shoot you point blank in the head. I mean, I love that. And the whole thing with, like, you know, her handmaidens and her, they take advantage of this. Like, that's canon. They know they look harmless. They take advantage of that because they're not harmless. They're like they're like a deadly nightshade, you know? It's, it's a common flower. Nothing special about them. Might be pretty, whatever. It will kill you. <laughs> and I just, I love that so much about Padme. And obviously, maybe I'm thinking more so Sabe, but Pad Padme's a baddie in her own right, and I think there's no denying that. 
What's your favorite outfit? Oh my God. Okay. So I have <laughs> so many, <laughs> so many favorite outfits when it comes to Padme. But I mean, like, my favorite outfit on her is, God, <laughs> is probably, okay. Episode two, Tatooine. She's wearing this cute little blue two piece with her little crown, her silver crown. You know what I'm talking about? You know the one. It's in the it's sunset. In the sorry She's talking lady to her lady. man, chosen one, Anakin Skywalker. This woman has it all. I wish. But she's in her nice little dress. She's dressed for this occasion. Okay. She she's all about it. And I am too, my God. Uh that's such an iconic outfit. It looks so comfortable. She looks so good in it. She looks like I feel like Padme's the kind of woman who can throw on like a potato sack and look like she's trying, but she ain't like she, she just looks great. That's like such a casual outfit for her, but that crown, that headpiece, the headdress, it, it complements it so much. And it like puts everything together for her. I love it so much. If I could like raid her wardrobe, I would love that picnic dress though. Cause that shit's expensive. Like, this woman buys designer, no cap, straight up. And I appreciate it, for one. I mean, like, you got the coin, sis. Grab it. Grab that off the rack. I mean, not even off the rack. This woman has her clothing handmade. Good for her. Sustainable woman. Another thing I wanted to talk about with Padme, I I recognize that it's not canon, but I also want to recognize that I don't give a shit. So, like, there's this thing that happens, and it was with the conceptor. I don't remember who the hell was talking about it. Probably someone important. I wasn't paying attention. But the storyline for Mustafar, okay? Yeah. She was supposed to kill Anakin. Are we not going to talk about this? This this woman was going to kill her man, and he might have let her. I'm just saying it's totally possible that he would have let her. This man, I don't know. Too much to say about Anakin, but this is not about him. This is about his wife. So can we just take a moment to recognize that this, she is so strong, but she she wasn't going to be able to kill him. Like, is he her one weakness? Is that her kryptonite? Obvi, duh, we know this. But holy cow, why did they put that in the movie? Oh my god. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? I hope I so. do. I do. It's a piece yeah. of concept art. I have no idea who did this. Padme was supposed to bring a knife to Mustafar. Oh. She was supposed to bring a knife to Mustafar. She was going to get off the ship. And her whole plan was to kill Anakin and basically like put a stop to what was going on. Guess what she didn't do? That. She cried. They argued. She died for reasons and yeah but i'm just like come on I feel like even if she didn't follow through with killing him that would have shown so true to her character and would have explained so much i mean like just i'm not an apologist but despite all the things anakin did i i think it makes sense that she would have still struggled to kill him i mean like i think they totally missed the mark with that one and that was a missed opportunity well, they did have to get to Darth Vader somehow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he was kind of a big part of the other movies. So. I also right? just remember they deleted a perfectly incredible storyline, also involving Padme, uh, that they totally shouldn't have kept in. Um, I believe, 
I was talking with Meg about this on Twitter a couple weeks ago. The storyline with Padme and Mon Mothma and Bail Oh, why did they get rid of it? Like, again, <sighs> what the heck? Why? <sighs> that was a. That would have made Revenge of the Sith, in my opinion. I mean, it's already. It or, I already have my issues with Revenge of the Sith, but it would have made that movie just incredible. Mm. <sighs> you know where we okay. might get more of that, though? The new Padme book. What? Oh, um. Queen's What's it called? Queen's Hate. Hope, I think. Yeah. Hope? Queen's Hope? Hope. Hope. Hoping something? I should Rebellions. know this. Rebellions are built on hope, everyone. Okay. Um, before I forget this, uh, we have two voice messages sent in by your colleagues at uh, Project Stardust. They were sent to me by Meg. Um, I'm glad nobody chose these characters yet because, um, because yeah, let's, let's hear from Barbara first. Hello there. My name is Barbara Layden, and I am a contributor to Project Stardust. I know my fellow dusters and I share a lot of the same favorites, so I thought I'd throw a little love to the San Hardin mechanic with a heart of gold, Pele Mato. When the Mandalorian firsts arrive on Tatooine, I know we were all excited to see what delightful Easter eggs would be thrown our way. But the introduction of Pele and Hangar 3-5 was a delight. At first you think, here we have another hustler. But her instant bonding with Grogu told me she was something special. Whether she's playing cards with the pit droids or Dr. Mandible, telling Mando he has a lot to learn about younglings, and the vital part she played in the Star Wars love story everyone can get behind, and even her casual mention of Beggar's Canyon, has me hoping we will see more of Pele. Thank you so much. Amy Sedaris, like, it was just, what is she going to do in the Star Wars universe then have Pelimoto be so perfect and, like, such a relief in, like, this kind of very dark chapter in Star Wars? Like, it was, it's so fun. Every time she says the, um, I'll bet, uh, this is my favorite thing, like, uh, I'll bet six, uh, I'll bet three bolts and a motivator. She says it so, so well. I, I fasten, I fasten on that every single time. I definitely hope that we see more of her. Um, I, I, I like the amount that she's been in. Like every scene that she has is amazing. But like I feel like almost feel like in the Mandalorian, if you put her in too much, it'd be a little much. But like she needs, I don't know, she needs her own thing. Maybe. I was like a little palate cleanser. Yeah. I was not expecting her to come back in season two, and I was delighted mm. when she did. So. Mm. Um, yeah. Hi, I'm Anna. I write for and manage the Instagram for Project Stardust. My favorite female Star Wars character is Princess Leia. My first memory is seeing Princess Leia in the trash compactor scene from Star Wars when I was probably two or three. And ever since that moment, she has been my favorite. It had to happen sometime. We we have <laughs> we have Leia. Anyone want to start on this? I mean, I mean, I think a lot of us at Project Stardust probably connect to Leia somehow, some way. Um, for me, uh, there's so many facets of Leia to grab onto, like at any moment, like in your life. So um, 
one of the articles that I wrote for Project Stardust um, was during the election season and just um, how she has sort of turned into this uh, icon for the movement to uh, vote in, vote out Trump in a way. Because like you would go to the Women's March and see her image on posters saying I rebel or like women's places in the resistance um, and how that really fueled me and her memory just fueled me and how proud of all of us she would be for really just um, getting the work done. Um, and, you know, that's, that's just one way that she affects my life, but there's so many other things about her too. Um, and I, does anyone else have like a memory? So the first time I saw Leia was the first Star Wars movie I ever was shown as a child was Return of the Jedi um, because they thought it was friendly because of Ewoks. So seeing Leia in that capacity and then all the others in that time, because I'm one of the older Stardust members, um, she was one of the only great female heroes of the time that were being shown in movies. Like you had some of your superheroes and whatnot, but she was personable. She was down to earth. She was a person and just showed like this quiet strength. And it was refreshing to see. And it kind of gave a different perspective of what, you know, was going on in the life around us. Yeah, I agree from uh, seeing it back, the original trilogy. I just, I liked her because she had the nerve to like yell at Darth Vader. <laughs> I was like, what? You're like this little lady with weird hair and you're yelling at like the, the super villain? Right on. Okay. <laughs> she was so brave. I know when I first watched the original trilogy as someone who was like first getting into it, I mean... You know, everyone knows Princess Leia. You don't have to be a Star Wars fan to know Carrie Fisher or know the iconic hairstyle or just some of the phrases that come out of those movies. But I just, I really remember just completely admiring this young woman who was so calm under pressure. I mean, she was going to be executed the whole time she was thinking about others at the end of the day, it was all work, no play. There was a mission to be done. And she's just such a selfless leader. And, you know, for someone her age, I mean, that's insane. You look at the comics, you look at some of the books and how she grew up. And I think it's only natural for her to be this way. I mean, you know, the values she was raised with. But I mean, like, Again, she was, she was what, 19? Princess Leia was 19 in A New Hope. I mean, she was so young and she has like such a fearless heart. And I think that's, it's amazing. It's amazing to see. Any of you know the car meme, the slaps car meme? Um, uh, slaps yeah. sequel trilogy. This bad boy can fit so much Leia, good Leia content in it, let me tell you. Again, I just want to say, in this movie right here, in The Last Jedi, they take Leia out of the picture, everything falls apart. Yeah. Everything falls apart. If you had no idea of how important Leia is, she's unconscious for most of the movie, and everything absolutely just explodes in the resistance. 
I would also like to point out a moment from, interestingly enough, uh, surprise, surprise, The Rise of Skywalker, which is that Leia was trained as a Jedi. Mm-hmm. Leia was trained. It was, it, was, it was always a mystery. It was always like, a, a, a why didn't they train Leia? They did. Leia was trained as a Jedi. Leia trained as a Jedi, which is... Literal tears seeing her with my, the lightsaber. My yeah. mouth dropped. I was about to say, my mouth dropped in the theater watching Rise of Skywalker. My mouth dropped. I have a funny story about Leia and like how I like fell into like loving her in the first place. So I'm a late bloomer when it comes to Star Wars. Like I'm I'm on the younger side of uh, the Project Star Wars crew. I'm only 26, but um I I did not really get into Star Wars until I was in high school. I was aware of Star Wars all the time growing up, but I wasn't really into it. I was just into like other movies. I danced when I was little, so it was big with like Broadway. So like that was my thing. But Movies and classic Broadway were my biggest thing. So at some point when I was in middle school, early high school, I saw the movie The Blues Brothers, which is my favorite movie of all time. And I stand by that. Carrie Fisher is in The Blues Brothers. So when, you, when you're when you in high school, you make all your friends watch your favorite movie, right? So here I am toting around this movie from 1980, showing it to all my friends, to which one of my best friends is like, oh yeah, that's Princess Leia. And I'm literally like, Who? Like, I didn't know who she was at the time, but, like, all my friends, not all of them, but just her, because, whatever. This one friend was like, yeah, that's Princess Leia. So then we watched a few of the Star Wars movies, and that's kind of, like, what sparked it. Um, but I think about this to this day when everyone's like, oh, yeah, I've loved Leia since I was a little girl. And I'm like, I've loved her since I found out that she was uh, the crazy ex-girlfriend in the Blues Brothers. <laughs> so it's just, like, the little things, but, like, you... I think back on it and like I, I absolutely adore her and everything about you can't have Star Wars without Leia. You can't have anything without Carrie Fisher. And obviously her legacy will continue on for uh, forever. That's never going to stop. I remember that day I was like having breakfast with my husband at a restaurant that was kind of a nice restaurant. And I looked at my phone for a second and I saw the news and I started bawling and I was so I felt so bad for our waitress (laughs) because I would just be like I can't she's so sad and she was just like oh my god just get the plates away here's a shock (laughs) and I don't think I stopped crying like the rest of the day (laughs) it was just really really sad for me there was one thing that I think about whenever I think of Leia and it's like and I know the reasoning for this and I don't want to say it's hypocritical of me thinking about this one thing when I like Padme, who has the most unrealistic, extravagant, extra type outfits. But I always thought it was very interesting how they chose and like it's an iconic outfit without a doubt. But I always thought it was interesting how they chose the color white for Leia's, you know, dress, her senatorial dress. And I think part of that has to do with, okay. They're under the empire now and everyone's kind of wearing those kind of darker or lighter tones. Nothing's nothing is as lively as it was. So I get it, but I just found it so interesting that we see this, this girl go off into battle in this pristine white dress and we never see it get like super dirty, you know, (laughs) an all white costume is a cosplayer's worst nightmare. Obviously anyone who wears clothes, obviously white clothes are your worst nightmare. However, as a cosplayer, don't don't try it. Don't don't try it. I I mean, like to flip it really quick. I'm I wasn't happy that uh, Ray's Rise of Skywalker outfit was all white. I know it was 100% a, an homage to the original outfit for Leia, 
And I love that. I love the hood, but like, I wish it wasn't white, <laughs> but we're not talking about that today. <laughs> no, sir. We're not going to talk about that one. Mm-mm. I think it should have been like a little um, homage to Luke with like a black outfit with a little white. Yeah. Yeah. Right. They easily, oh, God, yeah, they, yes. they easily could have done um, the homage to the black outfit that Luke wears that obviously the bib opens at the very end. And so it shows the gray underneath because that's not to spin this away from Leia, but that is Ray's entire arc is she doesn't know who she is. She decides that she's no one. And then she finds out her true lineage. And then she's like, that's not what I want to do. And then she decides her path. And mm-hmm. so like she has all those ups and downs in which she's in the brown. She's in the gray. She's in brown again with gray and then she's in white immediately and it's like (laughs) wait a second what happened in between there because she's doing the training in between so it's like you just don't make the jump over like that and so you you i don't know got a lot of questions but to spin it back to leia um all of leia's outfits obviously reflect everything that's going on and i just want to take a moment of uh time for my favorite leia outfit which is the cloud city one with the beautiful burgundy cape with all that embroidery and just mm, Yes, that is that is the one. That is my favorite Leia outfit. I think in terms of fashion and as far as outfits go in Star Wars, you know, I think Leia does definitely get overlooked compared to maybe someone like Padme, but all her outfits are really cool and I, I really notice how they how they use some symbolism and, and kind of represent what's happening. At that point, you know, like with her outfit in the new hope, in a new hope, and and what she represents in that movie, as opposed to where she is on Cloud City when she lets her hair down, what that symbolizes, and then they get ambushed, and oh, it's just so great. Well, right, I think uh, I think I could kind of segue into one of my favorite characters. You right. Um, so one of the char- the character that I want to talk about is Ula from uh, Return of the Jedi. And uh, I guess I've been a fan of Star Wars since I was, like, I can't even remember not having Star Wars in my life. Like, that's how long it's been for me. Like, I would just, um, in my imaginary play, like, become Darth Vader. I'd throw a cape over me. And uh, one of the things I would do, you frequently catch me with, like, pantyhose on my head, like, dancing around, because I just thought, Ula was so beautiful and like so such a good dancer and I was like so enamored with that scene um and that was when I was young right uh so just the aesthetic of her was enough for me to just really latch on to her but then I get older now I every time I watch Star Wars I see something a little bit different and so I see her now as someone who yes she was enslaved um but at some point she said no i'm not doing this anymore and she pulls on the chain saying i'm not gonna go to you right and so because she fought that you know that became her end but just the fact that she was gonna fight back like that was um, really powerful. That whole scene to me is really powerful in Java's Palace. Um, and just the fact that she's one of probably like the first women of color 
that we see in Star Wars. Um, uh, Demi Taylor played her. Um, you know, that's not lost on me either. Um, and now I think uh, it kind of seeped into my uh, cosplay a little bit because now I do Twilight cosplay and I just kind of try to recreate that like moment for myself too. She's a, you know, not, she's a side character for the most part, but she meant a lot to me when I was growing up, so. So my favorite is Jyn Erso. Um, Rogue One hit quite a spot with me and I didn't understand at first why, like I felt very connected to the character and, you know, cause obviously she's portrayed as like, very much on the good side of things, but you don't understand her story really because it starts in jail and everything. And you're like, what is going on with this character? Um, there's such a deeper dive with her in Rebel Rising. And I think that's where mm -hmm. she really resonated with me because of kind of the constant battle with good and evil because she knows that something's wrong, but she knows she has to do it to survive. And I think, you know, that's something that we often find in life. And that's something I've personally struggled with, you know, time and again, like I know what I need to do, but I don't always agree with what I need to do. Um, and to see that, you know, obviously good wins out in the end, but just the strength of her character and her short amount of lifespan and the actual trials she has to go through to get that. Um, and of course she is another female character in Star Wars that has massive daddy issues, but that's besides the point. <laughs> um, but and her daddy issues go beyond, you know, just Galen. I think a lot of it goes with Saw as well, because mm -hmm. he was such a father figure to her. He raised her and he ultimately betrayed her. Regardless of him saying it was for her good, he didn't understand what that meant to her. So she's a very complex character that I think could be unpacked a lot more in additional stories. And I'd like I'd love to see some of the stuff, you know, shown or written about more in depth later on but obviously we can't really go beyond rogue one you know because well, you can't like unless she's going to show up as a ghost somewhere <laughs> which is not out of the question seeing as seeing how often star wars brings people back from the dead but that's a conversation from another day um when we get to um that episode brothers of the clone wars we will have that conversation about how much i um so don't get me started <laughs> oh no <laughs> Oh no! Did I choose violence again? Uh, yes, inadvertently, but it's fine. <laughs> I've been thinking a lot about Jin lately. Um, I don't know why. Like, I don't know why Rogue One is suddenly like everywhere at this moment. But um, I just, I, I just have been thinking a lot about how, like, you know, despite everything that like she went through, and you know, um, losing her parents and having all this stuff happen to her, like eventually she she rose up and she did the thing you know anyway and um it, i think the the saddest part for me about the whole thing is like um she could have done so much more for the rebellion but what she did still made all the difference and i just oh i love her i think that's part of the appeal of her too it's like she's kind of a simplistic character as they present her but with so much depth beyond it like you don't really understand her actions but, you know, she, I don't know, to me, she kind of gets her happy ending at the end. You know, she found someone that she connected with that, you know, she at least could be with at the end. And I think her entire life, she just basically searches for companionship. 
Mm-hmm. And of course, the one time she gets it, if you ever read Rebel Rising, she, you know, it's taken away from her as well. I know I, I, I love Jenner so as a character. I think when, when Rogue One came out, I, I kind of didn't really like her that much. But I think having rewatched the movie a couple times, I've started to understand what's appealing about her, and I really like appreciating the choices that she makes. Um, should we move on to a different character? I don't really have that much to say about Jane because I'm not a humongous fan of Rogue One. But... What? Oh, Eli, come on. <laughs> I'm very disappointed. I know we just met, but I'm like very disappointed right now. My oh. Star Wars movie taste is interesting. <laughs> they call it obscure and like leave it like that. Oh, it's definitely obscure. Don't get me wrong. The, the amount of people out there who love both The Last Jedi and The Rise of Skywalker as much as I do, it's... <sighs> I'm glad there's people that really, really love, you know, those two movies. I like them. I'm not against it's them a, at all. It, it's a peaceful life. Um, no, it isn't. <laughs> See, here's the thing. Here's the thing. You're going to quote Rogue One while you're trying to make this example. So, like, I, I wasn't going to jump in. Was, like, Rogue One is was, honestly not one of my very, favorite ones, and I don't really like Jin that much. And, like, I've grown to like her in recent watches, but I like pretty much every single other character in that movie over Jin. I'm sorry. Um, I like her. But I like everyone else more, and and it's it's just it's just always something else. And like I I love the Last Jedi, I love the Rise of Skywalker, and all the sequels are my favorites over that. And then Solo, and then I'm not gonna do the rest of the ranking right now. But like you you can't go in talking about the sequels and then you say a Rogue One quote when right before that you said you don't like Rogue One. <laughs> that was that was I I. I... It was a. It was a. Uh, it was a. I looked back. Um, we were this close. We were this yeah. close. Let's just throw more. What else? Also we got? using. What else? Also we got from Rogue One quotes. Also we Rogue One. We can do this right now. We can do. Oh, we can totally do this. But, Save uh, the dream. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't want to look. All I, I'm gonna say, and I sw- um, and I swear, um, is I don't want to fill you with more lies and deception. Deception. Um, <laughs> Well, you know, some of my favorites have already been talked about, and then I was thinking about Ray as well because I really love her. But um, I really want to talk about Frog Lady. <gasps> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because she was so Frog Lady. Wow. Yes, Frog Lady. I'm like, impressed. Right. Okay. Because no one's gonna think of Frog Lady except for I don't know me. Um, but I was so moved by her, like by the end of like when she finally made it to her husband. I mean, I was cheering. I think I was practically crying that she finally made it to her man. And like, cause Den was like, whatever lady, like you're not my mission. You're just on this ship. And she was like, oh, hell no. These are the last babies right here in this bucket that. Grogu keeps eating. Um, she rigged up that droid over there to like translate, and <laughs> she she found a pond to like keep her babies warm. I was like, she is on a mission. I yeah, I was so into Frog Lady, and I was like, stop eating the babies, Baby Yoda. Yeah, I I loved her. I'm like, I need to get a shirt with her on it. And I don't know what she was saying either, but it was clear that these babies were going to live even if someone else had to die. 
look, <laughs> we talked about the heiress before, but we never talked about one of the truly greatest moments in that episode, which is the reuniting of Frogman and oh. Frogland. Frogland is incredible. She actually has like a beginning, middle, and end of her story. So like, unfortunately, we probably like won't see her again unless they go back to that planet. But she does have a definite beginning, middle, and an end, and she has a struggle throughout for like her entire journey. And it's it's incredible just like to see it. And like I love um I love it in the passenger episode as well when the spider is chasing them. Um she literally reverts to be running on all fours and is hopping yes. along. Like yes. it's so absolutely silly, and I'm pretty sure I was laughing my butt off while watching it, but I couldn't help it. But it was it was incredible to like see. It's just like, okay, this is like really cool to like see like a sentient species actually like going back to their like primal instinct of like okay i need to run and do it as fast as i can it's just i just loved it it was fantastic that moment stood out too for me my pick it had to be it could be no other hera syndula one of in my opinion the greatest star wars characters of all time she was the first character that i thought of as soon as i made this list there's so much to love about her in my opinion she starts off as a really great character in Rebels, and she only gets better as the show goes on and as she gets, you know, featured featured in some books and, and some comics preceding uh, the formation of the, the Ghost crew. Um, and in the Clone Wars. And in the Clone Wars, yes. I think that as the show goes on, you know, we see different sides of her with the Ryloth, with all the Ryloth episodes, the Calicor, you know, her backstory, her family. I think that is is a really intense and, and powerful moment when she uh when she meets her her dad again and then they they start talking and she lapses back into her uh ryloth accent mm-hmm. i thought that was that it, that is so cool and just really well done you know um i think her romance with kanan is really great it's really sweet she brought in chopper kanan and ezra to the ghost crew and she pushes the, she pushes the ghost crew to join the wider rebellion and she even presumably flies into the Battle of Scarab. So, I... And Antidor. And, really? Wow. And I, maybe Exegol. Well, okay. I did not know those two. That is that is awesome. So, you know, I I really love Hera. Um, for me, uh, Star Wars Rebels will always hold a special place in my heart. And uh, chief among the reasons for that is Hera and how awesome she is. I stand by the statement that Hera and Kanan are actually the best couple in all of Star Wars. And, like, we can go on about that for years, but even though they don't necessarily get their happy ending, they, they like, are. They, they are the best couple because they are always actually talking to each other, first of all. And they try their best to actually, like, work through the things, which is, we love to see it. And I, I can't get enough of it. And I absolutely adore Hera. She's definitely, like, Probably almost my top favorite top character on the show. Kanan is my top character, but we're not gonna talk about that. <laughs> it is really cool to see a Twi'lek in Star Wars that isn't in like a submissive role at all. Um, just because I stand so hard for Twi'lek, so like she's one of the few that you see in like a position of power and agency, and um, I really appreciate that about her for sure. Yeah, in terms of power, I think another thing I love about her is how she really emphasizes empathy and and kindness and really puts that into practice so much but she she's never a pushover and she never just becomes 
she never just becomes like a stereotypical passive like supportive kind of character she's still very much her own person even when she is in more of an adjacent role in a certain rebels episode she still is very much a strong presence i really love that i i've really loved seeing her not seeing her um she's in the um why can i not remember the name of these books on the alphabet squadron books she's not in them like a ton yeah she's not in them a lot but like in the last book you do get more of her and it's it's not like you know more rebels material or anything like that but it's it's nice to see her you know in a different point in the timeline a different point in her life kind of trying to figure things out you know i got my um uh pop figure of her out let's talk about ray ray who ray skywalker that's right i want to talk about ray because i feel like it's been like i i feel i i I want to talk about ray that's all that's all i want to do um because ray in my opinion ray may be my favorite female character in star wars and ray is definitely in like my top three or four favorite characters in star wars period the struggles that this woman goes through frankly astound me um everyone everyone in the galaxy is trying to define for her who she is she's no one she's a palpatine but just does she take any of that line down no she does not she said no this is my destiny i am who i choose to be um you know even when the dark side you know feels so inviting you know she gets that heritage reveal from her her very own grandfather who's actually probably like not really a grandfather because of the clone thing and then okay let me just push that to the side for a second i just love daisy ridley and ray so much it's just like seeing her growth in uh in force awakens from being just the normal junker on jakku to being part of the resistance and eventually learning the ways of the jedi in last jedi and grappling with her destiny and her relationship with Ben slash Kylo in both Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker and then finally in Rise of Skywalker finally feeling getting to feel worthy of being a hero which was something that Rey struggled with throughout the entire sequel trilogy I mean I'm a sequel trilogy like I know there are a lot of people who was like who are like because I've been seeing them a lot around the fandom who are like Star Wars Rebels is my thing the sequel trilogy is my thing I'm sorry it just is and uh, rant over um yeah it bums me out when I see a lot of people not liking The Rise of Skywalker as much um, as other movies, just because, yeah, that's a super powerful moment for her to say, I, I don't care what everyone else thought about my journey. Like, I'm choosing my own path right now. And um, that was, like, extremely important. I wish more people had seen that side of it. I think Ray is another one of those characters that, you know you can talk about for 20 years and never run out of content. Um, and it, it's just so sad to see how many people dislike Ray, but I, I think she's really special and there's no doubt about that. And I, I think she's, you know, she didn't really need to pick up the Skywalker name because who needs some famous person's last name when you're as special as you are? She doesn't need to be part of, like, I like the whole dyad thing, but I don't think she even needs to be part of a dyad because it just, 
I don't want to say her story's like a rags to riches story, but I mean, like she really built herself up and she didn't need anyone's help. And she's been doing her own thing since she was a child. And she's so kick-ass and I think it needs to be acknowledged. Sierra, I'm kind of interested to know, um, because the first movie you saw was The Last Jedi and you grew up with the sequel trilogy. So I kind of wonder how you felt about seeing Ray on the screen, if that like did anything for you in particular, because you were a little bit younger. Yeah. Um, like, do you mean like the first time seeing her or like in the theaters or? Probably like the first time seeing her on, yeah, in the movie. Oh gosh. Okay. So yeah, yeah. I started off with The Last Jedi and the Stardust, my Stardust friends know why I watched The Last Jedi and I wasn't going to be a Star Wars fan, so I was just like, okay, let's let's just pick a random movie, so that way I can see some people's acting, because I'm curious. And I picked The Last Jedi for that reason. <laughs> and, you know, the first thing you see on that movie is, you know, this, this young woman is holding out this lightsaber. This guy just completely chucks it. It's Mark Hamill. Um... You know, seeing The Last Jedi for the first time as someone who was like, I was hell-bent on not wanting to get in. I I also want to say this now. I know Star Wars is not sci-fi. At the time, I thought it was. But, like, as someone who was, like, so hell-bent on, like, I'm not getting into that nerdy crap. I can't do it. Like, I only have so much, so much dignity left. If I do this, I'm going to hear it from my friends. So I was like, no, I'm not going to get into it. Spoiler alert. I write about Star Wars now, but, you know, so I was like, I'm not going to get into this. But, you know, you see this movie and I've heard a lot of people say, oh, The Last Jedi wasn't Star Warsy enough. And I don't think so, because I remember the first time seeing Rey, you know, ignite a lightsaber in The Last Jedi and just being completely blown away. Like, and I was just very interesting to see and eh, sorry, interested to see this young woman's story because they really made it they made a point to show this girl is on a path she doesn't know who she is really what she's doing she's kind of clueless and they they really made an effort to show that and I like you know when she started training with Luke it was just it was interesting and it made you want to latch onto this character and see okay she's starting out but what's going to happen it made me curious to see what else what other journey she might go on. And I remember, like, again, I'd never seen a Star Wars movie. So, like, they kind of introduced little things, like, like fine, fine spices, you know, like Carrie Fisher might say. And it wasn't too overwhelming, but I remember seeing that throne scene, the throne room fight scene for the first time, seeing how, like, people use their lightsabers, seeing how basically just combat goes down in Star Wars, and I was completely blown away it was I'm happy I got to see Daisy Ridley be my own you know heroine for my generation you know because not not that any of the other ladies and the other trilogies didn't hit the mark I think Carrie Fisher was amazing as Princess Leia you know I thought Padme was great and every character has their own faults every trilogy has their own flaws but I thought it was really cool to see you know Ryan Johnson really put Daisy on the forefront and say, hey, 
this is your story, own it. And we're really going to highlight that. And it was nice. It was nice having her be the hero for my generation. And I'm really glad I got into Star Wars with someone like her. Also, can we like, like, I don't want to like get off on a little tangent here because I know Ray's not my character, but like, I have so much to say. Like, can we just take a moment to talk about her hair and the symbolism of the buns and like, because I like, and this is going to sound like a joke, but one time I was discussing with an old friend of mine, uh, we were talking about this for like a solid hour and we both wrote our own little essays, five paged MLA formatted essays to send to each other talking about Ray's hair and what happened to it throughout the trilogies. And I know we have our own opinions on who directed what and what we didn't like about what movies or did we like all the movies? You know, I get that. But like her hair has so much meaning with, with what, cause obviously she had to have had long hair in the first movies, you know, for her hair to get that long with the buns. But Oh my God, her taking down her hair, her throwing out the buns, her cutting her hair short and then her throwing it back into buns in episode nine I don't know I just have so much to say about that topic I really like Ray um I've always liked her from the beginning um but I'm in the camp of I wanted her to not be related to any known character uh to me it was really important that she was no one from nowhere uh because and that's just me like my personal uh connection to Ray um because why I liked her so much was because I could relate to uh, having to take care of yourself uh, and having no one else to depend on for so long Um, and coming out of that uh, and realizing that no, I don't have any special lineage, I don't have uh, the support systems that comes with that, I don't have the expectations on me that comes with that, uh, but I have to figure everything out for myself and I know that that's what she did ultimately, even though she did um, have that lineage uh, with the Palpatine connection and that she took the Skywalker name. Um, but I, it's somehow that kind of took away something from me with my correct connection with Rey. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still love her so much. Um, and I love that even though she has gone through everything that he she has gone through she comes out of that and she still has like this open heart and these open arms for everyone else and she still can trust people and let them in uh which is something that i have had to struggle with uh, because of my experiences um so yeah uh she's a complex character and i i really want to see what she does with the jedi order uh like if she if she starts her own thing um, because I think since she has she has a bit of darkness in her and she also has a lot of light uh, and maybe she can forge a new path that the old Jedi Order didn't, that where they failed, maybe she can succeed in striking a balance with uh, the emotions and the passion and everything where it doesn't have to lead to the dark side necessarily um, because Grey Jedi is something that I really like or gray characters in general um so yeah i just want to say before we move on daisy ridley's performance is ray in all three of them force awakens rise of skywalker last jedi 
phenomenal. Yeah. I would say maybe my pick for the best acting in that trilogy. So my character that I chose was uh, Dr. Afra, um, and I actually, uh, yeah, I actually just finished an article about her. Um, it's in editing for now, um, but will be coming up on the website uh, soon. Uh, so I'm not gonna like reiterate everything that I say in the article, uh, obviously, because I want you to read it because. I'm kind of proud of it. Um, but anyway, because uh, that article kind of focuses on why I think she would be perfect to put in any live action adaptation uh, or movie or anything. I feel like it's time. Um, but, okay, I have notes, so I'm going to look at the notes. Uh, so, to kind of to Meg's point about characters who do bad stuff and make bad decisions, but you love them anyway, Afra is that for me. Uh, and I love that. Like she doesn't make it easy to love her, uh, but I can't help myself. I I just fell for her immediately. Uh, she is such a disaster, and I love that. <laughs> uh, and I love experiencing the galaxy through the eyes of someone who is this chaotic, because um, the the complexity and the nuance of her character. It's just I I have trouble seeing that in in many of the characters and um, yeah, uh, she keeps messing up. Like she, that's what she does. She messes up, she hurts people, she hurts herself um, and badly, uh, but she is still drawn to that chaos like a moth to a flame. Uh, and for, uh, for Star Wars as a whole, I think it's important to have that perspective as well uh, from a character uh, that, She's someone who won't necessarily end up in a good place and maybe she won't become a better person in the end. Like realistically, not all people are capable of that change. Uh, and we see that so rarely in Star Wars because obviously these stories are more often than not, like they need to end with a sense of hope because we don't want Rogue One endings all the time, uh, even though like I love Grimdark. <laughs> I love grim and dark. Uh, I love when when shit gets dark. Uh, but Star Wars is a lot about hope, obviously. So, um, but I think in my article, I I have a, a phrase that I, I'm remembering. Uh, that's like she's gazing into the abyss lovingly. Uh, and she's teetering on that edge between light and darkness. Uh, and she, she, to me anyway, I don't feel like she ever goes truly 100% dark. There's something there. She has somewhat uh, of a, an um, ambiguous morality, um, but she she's not evil. Uh, and I think that's really interesting in a character, especially in Star Wars. Uh, and I also have to mention that, uh, like, I, I'm queer, or I, I, I identify as queer, and I love seeing uh, a female uh, lesbian character who is out and proud and who gets to, who gets to be <laughs> herself and not have her sexuality filtered through a male gaze, uh, which I feel is so important. And she's not exotified or anything like that. Uh, and she gets to be passionate and flirty and everything and it's not framed in a weird way which I all 
many times feel with uh, with characters who aren't straight that their sexuality is is framed like they're othered or exotified or it's more sexualized than it needs to be and uh, so I feel like she does that very well as well uh, as a character um, or they do that well with her character uh, I should say um, and as a final point <laughs> uh, the the fact that she uh, as a space archaeologist which like the coolest profession ever uh, but as as someone like that she can go around the galaxy and she can find objects and bring them into canon again uh, so like uh, I love the I love legend stuff I love um, KOTOR the games uh, and like some of that stuff has made its way back into canon and since she's uh, just exploring all over the place there's really no limit to what she can find and bring back into canon and I think that's super interesting uh, so there's so much to explore with her character uh, yeah she's it for me I need you to write a book about that a book <laughs> Not not just an article, a book. <laughs> yeah, book. <laughs> I, I was I was just gonna say, Afra is somebody who shocks me that we haven't seen her in live action yet. Yeah. I mean, again, this is not anything bad about this character because I love this character, but how on earth have we gotten Cobb freaking Vamp <laughs> in live action and not Afra? Right. I mean. Right. And I love Cobb Vanth. Cobb Vanth is one of my favorite characters from that show. But, like, that guy appears in, from what I understand, four excerpts from a trilogy of books. Mm -hmm. Afra has had how many series of comics? I mean, like, the only person who's had more series of comics written about them is Darth Vader. The, the main character of the saga. Only one who's had more comic series written about him than Dr. Afra. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I will say that I agree. Like, they need to do a live action Afra, but they also need to let her be who she is in the comics. And I yeah. think that I'm a little bit afraid of what they will do to her in live action. Who if I'm being honest, I'm a little scared. Yeah, they need to do it right. They can't just throw her in there. Uh, or make her into something that she isn't. That's super important. I agree. I was just going to ask if you guys could cast anyone for her, who would it be? Karen Fukuhara. <laughs> 100%. Uh, I actually commissioned an art piece of uh, Afra uh, or uh, of um, Karen Fukuhara as Afra for my article. So you'll, you'll see that. Amazing. It's. Uh, it's so good. Beautiful. I'm, I'm not first enough to know Afro that well, so I have no idea. You'll see. Uh, to, me it's, <laughs> to me, it's Lana Condor. Like, if you look yeah. at pictures of her with, like, short hair, she's, like, just perfect for, her, for that role. I thought, for the last part of the show, do a little bit of a, uh, and, of course, now I'm saying, I'm about to say this. The thing Star Wars fans are not known for being is brief, but we're going to try anyway. Um, most of the time, that's a good thing, Meg, okay? Most of the time, that's a great thing. Um, anyway, I, I was thinking of a little bit of a speed round, which was like, 
two or three characters that we did not mention that we feel we should just like throw out there. Yes. Yes. Oh yes. Who wants to start on this one? Can I do it? Can I do it? (laughs) Do it. Go. Go right ahead. Go ahead. Uh, the handmaiden Sabe. Yes. Please. So much to say about her. I'm not going to do it, though. I'm just going to keep my mouth shut, because if I start, you guys will have a 50-chapter book ready to go (laughs) by the end of the day. But come on. She's so badass, guys. Mm -hmm. Yes. I mean, you can't go beyond uh, bad with Sabine Wren. Yes. Oh, Sabine. Oh, I love Sabine Wren so much. Before we started recording this, it's like I have two characters. It's Hera and Sabine. (laughs) I want to throw into the ring, I feel like the, the next most obvious one um, that is quite possibly, it's between her and Rey as my favorite female Star Wars character. Both of them are in my top five Star Wars characters of all time. Ahsoka Tano. Oh, let's talk about her Because <laughs> she is oh, Ahsoka. absolutely so spectacular in everything she does. Oh my god. Wow. I, yeah, I was wondering when her name would be thrown I'm, out. I, yeah, I'm I'm this close. I'm doing a Clone Wars rewatch right now. I'm this close to the wrong Jedi. Oh, no. And I'm, no. I'm worried for the pain I'm about to experience. Um, yeah, I am like four episodes away from it. It's going to be great. Um, uh, yeah, I'd also like to throw out the secondary character that I was going to throw if somebody else mentioned Zam for some reason. Um, let's talk about Tamra Vora. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, one of, I think, one of the most underrated characters in an animated Star Wars TV show. I think her arc is as good, if not better, than, like, an arc of, like, an Ezra Bridger or, uh, like, a, you know, of a, um, like a Rex. Her arc of being in ignorance about the First Order's threat to seeing their brutality firsthand and knowing that what she needs is her found family and not this cold, unforgiving First Order is genius over two seasons of that show, which got canceled. Like, what? I just want to throw out there Asajj Ventress. I think she's yeah. pretty great. I, I really like Asajj Ventress, especially... Really? She, even in just the Clone Wars alone, she goes through so many changes. You know, she's the Sith Disciple, then she's a Night Sister, then then she's a, a Bounty Hunter, then she loops back around to Coruscant, kind of comes full circle, works with Ahsoka a little bit. She she really does it all. If we're talking about Asajj Ventress, I'd like to throw out that Star Wars Clone Wars is now on Disney Plus, which is what I think has the best version of Asajj Ventress. And I think we just a shout out in general to like all the Night Sisters for sure. They're so yes. badass. Just Mother Talzin. Just Mother Talzin. I would also like to throw out a rep, uh, uh, a um, a mention of. Old Daka, who is a character, does not get mentioned enough. I would like to throw out Captain Phasma. You took mine. <gasps> oh. <laughs> I was wondering when. I, I was wondering how long. I was wondering how long. <laughs> Hashtag Phasma lives. That's all I got. 
We didn't see her die. Nope. So she's alive somewhere. <laughs> she didn't burn, so she's I'm, still somewhere floating around the galaxy. I'm not face palming at Phasma. I'm face palming at bringing yet another character back from death. Um, she's not dead, though. But I, but, but I, 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 I still agree that <laughs> Phasma was. Phasma was cool, but we should have gotten more. Mm -hmm. Phasma was cool, but we should have gotten more. What about Rose? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Queen. Tico. Mm -hmm. True queen. Yeah, absolutely. Part of um, the resistance. Part of the resistance. Saving what we love. Yes. Will not hesitate to tase someone. <laughs> Will not hesitate to tase. That is on her resume now. <laughs> Rose Tico, Resistance Soldier, will not hesitate to taste. Can I throw out two more? Yeah, no, go ahead. Okay, one, she, I don't know, it just makes me sad thinking about her. Okay, Shmi, like, oh. I think she's, I think she's great, and I, I don't, I wish we would have gotten to know her a little bit better, and it also just kind of makes me sad how she was only used, like, as a plot point. Yes, I know Anakin is the main character. I know this, but it makes me sad that another woman was used just as a quick stepping stool and a plot point to hear the male's story and his emotional development or whatever. I think it would have been interesting to kind of see just a little bit more from her and gotten to know her a little bit better even if it wasn't completely essential I think it would have been nice and then Satine I mean oh. she's great I mean bad bad bitch queen she's really slaying that I'm watching the lawless tomorrow I'm not emotionally ready no. for this again man how could we have forgotten way, what bonehead decided the lawless and the wrong Jedi be put within three episodes oh. of each other. That's a rough stretch. Oh my gosh. That's oh. pain right there. That is just that is intense. Pain. Well, then again, old friends not forgotten. Uh, the Phantom Apprentice, Shattered, and Victory and Death are all pain, and they're all one arc. So yeah. I shouldn't be talking. Do you think that we'll get flashbacks in Kenobi? Does anyone else want to answer this? How do I answer this? I hope so. Maybe. <laughs> That's what I'm hoping for. Because <laughs> my answer is I don't think so, but I hope so. Um, I yeah, I really like Maz. I want to know more about yeah. her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> fair. Kanata, Kanata right she seems there. to know a lot, and we but we don't. Yes, yes. Oh, oh my God! Wow, nice job, Eli. Mon Mothma. Yes. Yeah. yeah. One quick one for from the books, and that is Sienna Ree from Lost Stars. Yes. That's like my favorite Star Wars book. Incredible. So, everyone, I think it's time for the uh, plugs. Yeah, so you can find me anywhere on social media at Jam the Jedi. There's two M's in there because we like to have fun with that. And then um, also my other podcast, it's Hollin' at Marauders. Pretty much search for that anywhere. But yeah, thank you, guys. So, this is Lauren, and uh, you can find me most everywhere at Paranormal Lauren. And then also on the Project Stardust website. Yeah, that's where you'll find me, Project Stardust. <laughs> Be hanging out there. Uh, this is Liv, and you can find me on Twitter as Lilith underscore Ren, and then Instagram Lilith dot Ren, and also on Project Stardust. 
This is Stacy. You can find me on Instagram at fangirl underscore Stacy with an I and at Twitter at Bohemian Classic. My name is Sierra. You can find me on TikTok at Starshine, but it's S T V R S H I N E. You can find me on Instagram at Force Risen, and you can find me on Twitter at not underscore Lissa, all different usernames. Uh, and you can find me at Magdowell, where you can find me on all the things. At, on Twitter. Did I even say that? Oh my god. You can find us at In a Galaxy Pod on Twitter, at Star Wars in a Galaxy on Instagram. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel, Star Wars in a Galaxy. You can listen to us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, wherever you listen to your podcasts. We will be there. Leave a five-star rating and review if you can. Uh, email You can email us at swinagalaxy at gmail.com. And um, until next time, may the Force be with you always.